bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 109 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and this podcast is where we share, I share, people's incredible stories of recovery from chronic diseases such as multiple sclerosis, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, and the list just goes on. There's so many. So scroll back. Please scroll back. And if you haven't yet subscribed to my YouTube channel, I'm finally adding the backlog of episodes over there too. So subscribe, share them with your friends. That makes such a difference to me in getting this message out. So thank you for your support and patience waiting for me to do that. It, it's just, it just, things just take time. I'm parenting and trying to do everything and it's just been a slow process for me. Uh But today on the show, I have another health, a health and nutrition educator and author and founder of The Plan A Diet, Sid Notter. Sid wrote to me about her book and I haven't yet read it at the time of you listening to this. I hopefully will have received my copy in the mail so have a, to have a read, but I have read about it and I'm very excited about it because a whole food plant-based diet is on the surface very simple. You know, you don't eat meat, don't eat eggs, don't eat dairy, cut out processed foods high in salt, oil and sugar. Uh, so that sounds very straightforward. Well, to me now, after this many years, if you're just listening and you're saying, well, I eat all those things, doesn't sound straightforward to me. I'm sorry. Uh, but I mean, there's so many ways to do this. And I, you know, I had feedback about the episode with Professor Spira about his way of doing it. Now, I'm not saying his way is the correct way, but it's his way. It's working for him. And there's been raw fruitarians on this show. We've had raw vegans. We've had a spectrum of people eating a whole food plant-based diet their way. Now, I like a start. I'm very much a McDougal, T. Colin Campbell. I like a whole food plant-based diet to have lots of starch, lots of, you know, half my, you know, two-thirds of my plate starch, carbs, high carb, 80-10-10 basically, sometimes more, sometimes less, but basically 80% of my food comes from carbohydrates, um, healthy sources of carbohydrates, from whole plant foods, then 10% whole fats like nuts and seeds. Sometimes some nut butter comes into my world and that's a nightmare for me (laughs) as a food addict. But then another 10% from protein such as lentils, beans, chickpeas, all of those kinds of sources of protein, sometimes some tofu as well, but I very much minimise my tofu because it just doesn't sit well with me. Personally, but for you, it might sit better. It does. It's just playing around with what works for you. Obviously, tweaking as you go because as you go, you, you know, you start to realize, oh well, that amount of fat, thirty percent fat, isn't helping me with my weight loss goals. Or eating, you know, dried fruit is decaying my teeth and it isn't isn't helping with my weight loss goals. It's, it's not really a whole food because it's been dried and now turned into a very high potent source of sugar. And calories from sugar, so it obviously helps you know 
it's not great as a source for weight loss for most people eating dehydrated dried fruits. And I love potatoes because they make me feel full and satiated, which helps me personally to not binge eat on other lower quality calorie sources. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is there's many, many ways that people approach this way of eating that really work for certain people. Now, for me, the way I do it, and for many, many people, probably the majority of people eating a whole food plant-based diet, having some starches in their diet work, and today's guest is the same. But what I like about her, which is different from, you know, Andrew Taylor, who he had, he needed to eat only plants for a year to overcome his food addiction, and then other people who need to eat only fruits or they want to eat only this, you know, however it is, as long as you're getting enough, really enough nutrients and enough calories from whole plant sources and d- limiting your fat intake, the more the merrier. Go ahead. You know, it's the, the high fats are the damaging foods for your endothelial cells and your cardiovascular health. So you want to make the keep those fats low. But otherwise, if you're eating whole fruit, plants and vegetables, eating a diverse rainbow of colours, you should be pretty great. That's a ramble. But what I'm trying to say is I love people approaching it in different ways or looking at it in different ways. And today's guest, Sid, her book, The Plan A Diet, she is combining whole food plant-based nutrition with, as she says on her book cover, the timeless wisdom of scripture. Now, I'm not a religious person, but I am a spiritual person. But I know so many people who are, consider themselves Christians, who will really benefit from this book. And this book will will benefit from it no matter what, because it covers so many great areas of a whole food plant-based diet alongside the science the science, evidence-based information about the benefits of a whole food plant-based diet with woven in, I guess it's like woven pieces of the Bible in there that support the consumption of a whole, and adoption of a whole food plant-based diet, which I think is really, really powerful for those people who say that, you know, the Bible says they should eat meat, eggs, dairy, we should eat everything, the planet was made for us. We can exploit it as much as we like. I love that someone like Sid is out there making a book that's, that is taking direct quotes from the Bible and saying, uh, 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 God didn't say exploit this planet. He said this, and this supports the adoption of a whole food plant-based diet. So I love that she's out there with that message for Christians around the world. But it also has so much stuff in there that I think many, many people – even you know, people like myself who are spiritual, consider themselves spiritual people, can really, really benefit from. So I'm looking forward to so much to getting it in my hands and reading it. And it comes out in hard copy October 1st. So you can get it in Kindle today, but tomorrow when you're listening, it will be available in hard copy. So please head over to Amazon. The links for the book are in the show notes. Head over there, grab your copy of Plan A Diet. You can also find Sid Notter at her website, sidnotter.com. She has coaching services, information about the Plan A Diet, her background, her where you can buy her book, upcoming events, resources, recipes, articles, blog, testimonials, and so much more over there. She has been whole food plant-based for 20, well, for nearly 20 years, for 20 years. And 
She is just an absolute wealth of knowledge and information. So I'm so grateful to have her on the show today. I hope you enjoy her episode and I'll see you at the end of the show. Hello, Sid, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Corinne. It's great to be here. As I mentioned in the introduction to this episode, I am really fascinated to learn about you because I, on my journey, whole food, plant-based, I'm not a, a formally religious person, but I have met, you know, I, this has become a very spiritual way of eating for me. And, and I do meet many, many, many people online and in my the health and wellness sphere who are Christians or are follow a formal religion. And so he, seeing your book and your work, The Plan A Diet, your, your book, The Plan A Diet, and hearing about it, I think is so it's, so, it's so valuable for people who are Christians or do identify as Christians wanting to consider a dietary change such as going on a whole food plant-based diet because I've met many Christians who say God gave us the planet to eat everything. He gave us the animals, the earth, everything to do whatever we want with it. He, they're, they're ours to eat where de- deplete of forests. That, that That's their view of the planet and that God made it for humans. So I really loved hearing you out there spreading that, you know, he wanted us to eat a plant-based diet. It was really, really, for me, something that now I will use as a resource to share with people who are of the mindset that God gave us the planet just to use and abuse. So, yeah, thank you for doing that. I had, I have had a flick through your – I haven't had a chance to read, as I've told you, because I've only just heard of you very recently, but I've had a flick through, and it seems like such a important book for people who – are Christians or anyone really? It's a book for everyone, but I mean, it's a it's a really great book to exist. So thank you very much for creating this amazing resource. Well, thank you for having me on today to talk about it because the book really is written for anybody, and it has the uh, scripture and prayer built in for people that happen to be of the Christian faith. But the health benefits of the book it's very science um, based too. I've quoted, I've got all the research in there that backs up a whole food plant based diet. So it's it's the combination of both science and then scripture to help those that um, believe that way, you know, to bolster their encouragement in this walk of life as well. So it's kind of a combination of both of those things, which is why it could apply to anyone. Anyone would benefit from reading the book. It's not overly preachy or, you know, diving deep into certain things, but um, it does give encouragement to those who happen to be Christian. Yeah, I think it's really, I'm just thinking right now about Heather Kaufman. I don't know if she's a, someone that you might know, her husband and her have Fat Man Foods, and her husband's Tim Kaufman, and I know that she's Christian and I wonder if she would love a copy of your book. I'll have to reach out to her and send her your link. Yeah, please do. I'd like to meet her. Yeah, yeah. She's incredible, incredible, incredibly inspirational woman. I've missed her. Her surname's hyphened and I've just, my mind's blanked on her actual <laughs> proper hyphenated name. So I apologize, <laughs> Heather, if you're listening to this that I've, I know it starts with a B, but I've, oh my gosh. Anyway, I'm sorry, Heather. Uh, yes, so I've gone off on a, a little tangent, but I wanted to hear your story. How did this come about for you? How did a whole food plant-based diet and becoming a health educator, nutrition educator and author come about for you? 
Well, about 30 years ago, my husband and I were invited to a friend's house for dinner, some friends who told us they were vegetarian, and would we mind if they made a meatless meal? (laughs) And that was 30 years ago, and we said, no, we didn't have any objections. So it was a great meal, and it got us thinking about becoming vegetarians at the time, which we did. About a year later, we jumped into that lifestyle, but we were not eating healthy. Let me clarify that. We were eating a cheese pizzas and, you know, drinking pop and everything, (laughs) but we had given up meat, and so we were vegetarian at the time. And then a few years later, I stumbled upon a class in my neighborhood. It was put on by Wellness Forum Health. That's sponsored by Dr. Pam Popper in Ohio. I'm not sure if you've heard of her, but uh, it was a four-week class, and it was promoting a whole food plant-based diet, and my eyes were just, like, totally open during that class. I Uh, You know, I realized then that what I had been eating was not healthy at all because I was still eating a lot of junk food and transition foods. But one thing that really stood out to me about that class was the uh, fact that we should be basing our health decisions on independent research and not marketing messages. And I realized, too, everything I had learned about dairy and everything was based on marketing messages that I'd heard. So from that point on, I began to host classes uh, in my business at the time, wellness forum classes. And then I went on to become an instructor for her and did classes on her behalf for about six years. And then I was doing my own classes as well. So it was a slow journey for me along the way. It wasn't an overnight transition, although my clients that do the overnight transition have wonderful success, far more than if you just kind of take little steps. And I'm not saying that making little steps isn't valuable. It is. But sometimes when the people dive in with both feet, you know, and they make an overnight conversion to this way of eating, they actually have the better success rates. Dr. Campbell points that out as well, Dr. T. Colin Campbell. But for me, it's been a long journey. And I gave up dairy back in, oh, probably 12 or 13 years ago. That was the last thing to go for me because I sure did like my cheese and my ice cream. Yeah, uh, don't, don't we all? <laughs> yes, but that's before I knew we could make our own delicious cheese and ice cream too. So, yeah, so I've been a health coach now for over two decades, over 20 years. I've been teaching in the community and writing articles, and I worked with the hospital's fitness center for a while with their clients And then I've worked with a local school district as well, doing classes for their teachers and so forth. So about five years ago, it was laid on my heart to write a book about this topic. And I did not set out to write a book. That was never on my radar, Corinne, to write a book. I never had that dream or envisioned myself doing that. But it was laid upon me to do it. And so it took me five years to write it. And in fact, the book comes out October 1st. So in a couple weeks. Oh, wow. I think this episode's coming out almost at the exact same time. This episode will be out on, oh. let's see if we're going to match match up. It's going to come out, oh, wow, it's going to come out on the 30th. Oh, perfect. So people can <laughs> grab it that day. Well, that's very exciting. How- yes. Yeah. Wow. You actually made me feel a bit better because I've been writing a book since the start of this podcast, so 2017, and I thought I would – I'm hoping, I keep saying, by my 40th, which is in December this year, that I will have it finished. But 
I'm fairly certain that it's not going to be the case. And I was desperately wanting it to be the case. But, you know, it just takes a lot longer to wrap your head around everything that has to go into a book. It does. And I was only halfway done with the book when I went to a writer's conference just to learn a few tips. And I was made an offer at my first writer's conference, and I only had half the book finished. So then the publisher gave me four months to complete the book. So I had to write as much in four months as I had written in four and a half years. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that was uh, the kick in the pants I needed <laughs> to get going, I guess. But yeah. Oh, so congratulations. I'm, you're my hero now, and I... <laughs> I definitely know that I need. I remember listening to this author talk about how when he wants to write a book, he, or what I, yeah, I think it was a man, that he gets a ticket for a long flight, a return ticket, and just flies somewhere there and back, like a long flight. So, if I mean, say a 14 hour flight, he flies 14 hours one way and then hops at the airport and hops on the next plane back 14 hours. And so he's no one's there. He's trapped on a plane and he has no internet and he just is forced to write because it's miserable otherwise. So he writes for 24 hours. I thought, even though I'm never going to do that because it seems like a very extreme, but it's, I, I love people's ways that they get stuff done when it comes to a, <laughs> writing a book. That was a, a very hilarious way that I thought to go about forcing yourself to be trapped to write your book. Wow. No, I'm not doing that, but it's, it was a... <laughs> It was just interesting to hear. But, yeah, so your book is here. Tell us about it. Well, it's a combination of whole food plant-based dieting along with scripture, as I mentioned earlier, to encourage those of the faith. And it talks about many things, mostly the diet, why we should eat a whole food plant-based diet. All of the research is in there for that. Based on the 80-10-10 rule of Dr. T. Colin Campbell, where... 80% of our diet comes from carbs. I know that bad word, carbs. 10% from protein and 10% from fat. And so when you're eating this way, those numbers just kind of fall into place. So when I give talks out in the public, I always talk about carbs to start with because there's a lot of confusion about refined carbs versus complex carbs and why we should be eating tons of complex carbs. That's our body's preferred source of energy and so forth. And I always put pictures up of food and I explain that there's a big difference between a bowl of black bean chili and a glazed donut. <laughs> Both are carbs, you know, and one is healthy and one is not. So also in the book, I talk about the 12 barriers to change, which is what I've observed as a health coach for a long time. 12 things that hold people back from changing, even when they want to make the change and they know they should change their diet. There's 12 reasons that kind of holds them back. So I talk about some of those, one of which is physical food addiction. That's a, a huge one because, you know, the things that are, are in processed foods hijack our brains and keep us addicted to sugar, salt, and fat. And then emotional eating and, and just all the reasons that we have that make it difficult to change. And I give tips for how to overcome those things. And then I talk about conflicting information because there's so much conflicting things out there, right? One day we hear coffee's good and then the next day coffee's bad. Or one day grains are healthy and the next day grains are bad and responsible for all kinds of health problems. So what does the typical person believe? You know, what did they 
How do they figure out what's true? And that's where I talk about where I originally mentioned um, basing your health decisions on independent research. In other words, research that's not funded by a pro, a, a, um, a company or a supplement company or whoever that's going to profit from that research. You know, you want to look at things, at studies that are independently funded. So that's what my book is based on, things that are independently funded. And then I give seven tips in the book of how to evaluate what you hear and read, because we do hear we're bombarded with things every day, things that we hear and read, which are conflicting. And so there's seven tips in the book for how to sort that out. And then the book also discusses, you know, the biggest misconceptions about a plant-based diet, which is that we're not getting enough protein or calcium or that the food is twigs and tree bark and rabbit food. And, you know, nothing could be further from the truth, right? We eat a variety of delicious food. And then I've included like a five-week transition plan, too, for people that uh, would like to try this way of eating, but they're not sure how to do it slowly. So there's a transition plan included in the book. So those are just a few of the things. And then I talk about moderation because, you know, some people think, oh, we could eat everything in moderation. And the book talks about why that's really not a good idea. Um, for one reason, you know, nobody has the same definition of that. Does that mean one can of pop a day or one can of pop a week? Or, uh, you know, what's the clear cut line? So the best thing is to just choose healthy foods all the time, yeah. <laughs> rather than putting yourself on that slippery slope. And in the book, I say, well, what if you just have bacon and eggs just on Sunday and a pepperoni pizza just on Friday and ice cream just after the kids' baseball game? And the, the week goes on. And within a week's time, you've consumed a lot of unhealthy foods that are going to derail your efforts, you know, to get to good health. Absolutely. And those, every section of your book, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they need to be in my book. <laughs> Not that I'm going to plagiarize your work, but they're all so valuable. And I think uh, my books are a very different book. My books are you know, is, is a collection of these the podcast stories, the hope stories from this podcast, the transformation stories. So it's a different book, but I love your book as a resource because things such as food addiction, emotional eating, and and and. I'm going to stop it. Conflicting information. Conflicting information is something that I have people come to me about all the time. You know, I should just eat celery juice because the medical medium has says just drink celery juice or I should just do this or I shouldn't have any grains or gluten's terrible or I'm avoiding beans because I'm, I'm avoiding things with and they've read that they've read the plant paradox and they have this terrible fear now of fruits and vegetables and legumes. You know, there's so much information. Oh, I need to drink wine because of the antioxidants. I need to drink eat chocolate because of the magnesium. <laughs> you know, there's so much information out there. You know, I need lean grass-fed meat because it's got mineral in your bone broth and those things because they have minerals in them that I can't get on a whole food plant-based diet. All those things. So I love that you're covering that in your book because, as you say, what is marketing and what is evidence-based information? Exactly. And so in the book, what would be – what is just an example of how you discuss that topic of that these things are intentional, misleading pieces of marketing? How do you talk about that in your book? I like how Dr. McDougall puts it. People love to hear good news about their bad habits. That's 
not the first thing. So when people glom onto a study that promotes high fat or, you know, put butter in your coffee or whatever, people are going to like that, you know, because if they want to eat those high fat foods. But I do talk about um, the seven tips in the book for evaluating what you hear and read is number one, look for independently funded things. Who's making the claim? Um, Was it a large study or was it a small study? I remember, in fact, I've got a file folder labeled misleading uh, media information because on uh, TV, a a newscaster came on and said that plant-based diets are not shown to improve health at all. So I thought, well, where's he getting that? So I looked at the study that this person was referencing, and what they considered a high plant diet was one potato a day. (laughs) So don't ever go, just assume everything's false until you look into it. That's my advice, because it probably is false. I mean sensationalized headlines make the news. Absolutely. There is one recently that always is circulated. There's been two, I think, ever. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely probably miss, misspeaking when I say that. But about vegan kids, you know, vegan kids are malnourished, starving to death, and they've got low IQs. There's all these kind of articles come out all the time. And when you look at the actual... <laughs> information and the source of this it's always you know a mentally ill couple who starved their child the child was allowed you know two oreos and nothing or or just vegetable juice and nothing for endless periods and very little of it and and that that's not a whole food plant-based well-rounded diet you know that's 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 neglect it's not a vegan diet but it's pushed in the media as this is what vegans feed their kids. All vegan kids are going to be starving and emaciated and have low IQs when there's so much information supporting the opposite to be true. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's maddening to, yeah, just kind of assume everything's false until you look into it. That's my advice because, um, you know, what your hairdresser tells you or your best friend is selling supplements that are going to change your life. Please look into that before you jump in because your health is at risk. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that is something that's really interesting because I host this podcast, I have this platform and I've interviewed now, you're my 109th guest on the show. And I've been living a whole food plant-based diet for 11 years. And look, there's been, I'd say sometimes it's been a 5% less, less, less perfect, but you know, very, very close to 100% most of the time and way of eating. And I've been on this road since 2004. You know, I've read everything. I've not everything. There's so many such information. I've read so many books. It's all I think about. And then you'll have some person say to me, oh, you know, I'm not eating beans anymore because I've read one plant paradox or a friend of a friend told me not to eat potatoes anymore. And I just... I find it so unbelievable that just it's, it's just like you say it is it can be just a conversation with one hairdresser can take someone from being even being vegan like I have a friend whose personal trainer told them that they need more protein from eggs and they'd been vegan for 
you know, four years or something, and now they're eating eggs again. And I just think, oh my god, there's protein in everything. Mm-hmm. Why are you eating eggs now, which give you cardiovascular disease and type two diabetes and all of these things? It's absolutely bizarre how willing we are to just grab onto the first piece of information without researching it that we are given on diet. That's true. And it's so sad, too. I know there are a lot of well-meaning healthcare professionals out there, but many of them are giving bad protein advice as well. You know, I have a family member who's struggling with something and her doctor said she needs to eat more meat, you know, for the protein. And I cannot convince her that the meat is the probably the root cause of of the problems that she's having. So oh, God. It's, it's very difficult. My father, when he had cancer recently, he was uh, in remission now. Touch wood, thank goodness. You know, he's, he had low platelets and he couldn't get his, you know, his B12 and his platelets were and they said, you know, you you need to eat more red meat and you have to eat more dairy so that you don't lose weight with this radiation treatment that we're giving you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, <laughs> eat more meat and dairy. And he has prost- he already has cancer and you're telling him to eat the foods that are going to perpetuate cancer in his body. Oh, my goodness. It was just mm. heartbreaking to hear. It is. It's frustrating and sad. But luckily, there are doctors out there more and more yes. getting on board with this way of eating. More and more. It's very exciting times. Yes. Super yes, exciting. more cardiologists as well, which I find very exciting. I think Dr. Kim Williams is really helping in that area, promoting plant-based eating over in the American College of Cardiology. Is that what? Is that where he he works? American? Yeah. Yeah, he's the past president of that, I believe. Yes. And he's in the Chicago area, which I live about an hour from there. And I attended a lecture a few months ago by one of their cardiologists, and he said there were now 19 plant-based cardiologists in that Chicago system, which I thought was wonderful to hear that there were 19 doctors promoting a plant-based diet. Oh, that is absolutely incredible. That is so wonderful to hear. And I hope that that filters down to Australia. And I don't think it has yet, but it's... So exciting to hear that more and more people are getting this message. And having people like Dr. Kim Williams in those places and those positions, it's very, very exciting. And I know that their um, doctor, I'm not doctor, sorry, Eric, the Brooklyn Borough president. Now my brain is blanking me. I think his name's, I know it's Eric, but I can't remember his surname and I'll write that in the show. But him having someone like, you know, in governing and a big, you know, 2 million population city and promoting whole food plant-based wherever he goes with his story about his type 2 diabetes reversal. I love people in positions of kind of authority who are who are plant-based because it's just very, very exciting because the ripple effect of their presence alone is so powerful. Yes, I agree. Now, I was going to ask you for people, for yourself and your community, and your, you know, your work as a health coach. What do you think are some of the struggles people face uh, when they first make the transition to a whole food plant-based diet and the strategies that you recommend for them in preparing themselves for those struggles and moving, working through them so they can maintain a whole food plant-based diet permanently? Well, the first struggle I would say is just um, ignorance at the start. A lot of times they're not sure what to make, you know, what's going to replace the meat on my plate? What, how am I going to cook something without oils and fats? And 
So knowledge is the first thing. Once they learn, though, once they come to a few classes and they are, are aware of how to stir fry things and they can make pizza and sloppy joes and they learn to make burgers and fries and all the things that we eat, I'd say the next biggest struggle is peer pressure from the family or, or their friends that aren't on that uh, way of eating. So many people are cave in, you know, because they're surrounded by people who are giving them a hard time sometimes, actually trying to sabotage their efforts. But at the very least, they won't get on board with it. And so it's just too hard to make two different meals all the time or or to um, shop and still have all the bad food in the house. So one of the tips is, uh, in my book, I do talk about family and peer pressure and how to come to some agreements about that. I've seen a lot of houses divided where one spouse wants to eat this way and the other one refuses and how they've worked that out. Um, Everybody's answer is a little different to that. Who's going to do the shopping? Who's going to do the cooking? Is the junk food going to be stored out of sight? You know, or things like that. So... That's a big stumbling block. And then, of course, there's the physical food addiction because sometimes that rears its ugly head, especially with cheese, which is the highest addicting food because of the casomorphins, you know, the morphine, which plays upon the brain receptors. So there's the food addiction to overcome. There's the unknowing. And plus, if they don't have group support, I think this is important too. You have to be with some like-minded people, especially at the start. And even online, if you can get into an online group, Forks Over Knives, or you know, some group where people are eating this way, where you can share your struggles. And there's tons of people out there that will support you because they've been where you are. Yes. I wanted to talk to you a little more about cheese addiction and some of the things that you suggest for people who are finding giving up cheese really tricky? Well, I agree with Dr. Barnard. He wrote the book, The Food Seduction, which he talks about uh, the four biggest addictors being chocolate, cheese, meat, and um, oh my gosh, (laughs) sugar, sugar, of course. (laughs) So abstinence is the best way to go. If you keep drip feeding those foods into your diet, it's just going to take longer to overcome the addiction, basically, you know, we wouldn't tell a, a smoker to just have one cigarette a day or, or an alcoholic to just have one drink a day. So the best thing to do is abstain, pick a day when you're going to start abstaining from those foods and have your substitution foods made in advance. So if you want some cheese, if you're really craving cheese, there's lots of vegan recipes for cheese out there where you can make nachos with cheese sauce or macaroni and cheese. It's all plant-based, and it's all healthy and delicious. Um, So, yeah, and ice cream, that's another thing that a lot of my clients struggle to give up. And so uh, I show them how to use a Yonana machine to turn frozen fruit into soft-serve, delicious cherry ice cream. You know, there's just things you can do. Have your substitutions in place and just decide that the bad foods are not coming back into the house. Don't go buy cheese and put it in the fridge thinking you'll just have a little cube, one cube a day of this little bit of cheese. Because if you're like me, that food is going to call your name until you go and eat all of it. So that's one big tip is to sanitize your environment of the things that you're going to struggle with. 
And in the book, I talk about that too. Don't um, buy one a big pack of cookies and say, well, I'm just going to eat one a day. You know, I'm going to put them in the freezer and have one a day. Well, it doesn't work like that for most people. I mean, if you can do that, the best thing is to not have the bad food in your house or in your car or in your office or wherever you hang out. So those are, are things. Oh, but back to the cheese, which is what you had originally asked me about. I do a whole two-hour class on dairy, and I make substitute um, all the substitutions for uh, cheese and cow milk that I can think of. I serve a plant-based yogurt, and I make the Alfredo cheese for pasta, and I make a hard block cheese to serve on crackers. So during that class is where I show them that they can still have that delicious flavor of cheese without all the damaging health properties, cancer-causing hormones, um, the casomorphins, which are so addictive, and the saturated fat and cholesterol. I mean, cheese is the highest source of saturated fat in our diet when, you know, very contributing to heart disease and all sorts of things, diabetes. So when people say, if I was only going to make one change, what would it be? I say, well, I have a tie. The answer is give up dairy and give up processed meats immediately because those are two known cancer causers, not just linked to cancer, but proven to be cancer initiators. So those would be the two big things to stop right off the bat. Absolutely. And I think that that's something that here I want to push more as far as within my child's school system because, you know, they have still have sausage sizzles as fundraisers all the time. And I keep thinking, oh, my gosh, all those little kids – who are playing and running and they're having these fun fundraisers, which is like athletics days and all these things, and then feeding them, filling their little bodies with a sausage, a cancer-causing carcinogenic sausage at the end of a fun run or the athletics day or whatever. And I just think I, I really hope to start talking to the schools about other things, other ways we can fundraise with our involving foods that are just terrible for children's bodies, anyone's bodies, but children's bodies as well. So it's, I, I love that you're mentioning that. And I think it's such a, there are great two things. And I think when you put it, strip it back to two things, such as giving up dairy and giving up processed meats, I think that simplifies it in a way that many more people find easier to digest than saying, give up everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, giving up everything's the optimal goal. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> for someone like my mum telling or my dad saying just give up dairy at the start, if that's all you think you can manage, it's a really good thing to do at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a starting point. Mm, yeah, it seems manageable rather than the whole mountain, you know? It does. Although both of those things are highly addictive, so... Oh, yeah. I know that's so tricky. Cheese is so tricky for so many people. And so if you're one of those people, read The Cheese Trap by Dr. Neil Barnard. Is that Dr. Neil Barnard's work? Mm -hmm. The Cheese Trap is a great book for you to get your hands on as well. Um, if you're still finding it a struggle to quit cheese, it's such a good resource um, to have on hand. Now, I was going to ask you a question just off topic about, which is probably you're getting used to that just in this interview, but <laughs> but about your Yonana's machine. This is just for me because I have a thermomix 
And when I suggested that perhaps a Yonana's machine <laughs> might be great, to my husband he said, shouldn't a thousands of dollars per Mix machine be able to do everything? But I still think a Yonana's will make better ice cream than my Thermomix. Do you have both and can you tell me which one's better? I don't have. What is the name of the machine that a you Thermomix? have? A Thermomix? You don't have a Thermomix? So do, do you have a, what are they called, that everyone seems to have a food Blend. A Vitamix? Vitamix? Is it, d- does Yonana's blend like a Vitamix? Because that, that's what I'm wondering. Well, no, it doesn't. I mean, I know you can make ice cream in the food processor as well. Yeah, yeah. I just think the Yonana machine gives it a creamier flavor. It's it's more like soft serve. That's why I want it. Sid, <laughs> that's why I want it. I think I have to get a Yonana's because we're heading into summer here in Melbourne, in, in Australia, and I feel like a Yonana's machine is going to solve so many problems for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes when I do a cooking class, I'll make a Yonana banana split at the end and let everybody taste it. And I think I should have become a Yonana salesman at that point because everybody wants a Yonana machine. They don't, they say, this is ice cream because... You know, of course, it's frozen fruit processed into a soft serve. And when you put some pineapple and strawberries on top and some homemade healthy chocolate sauce, it's a banana split and they just can't get over it. (laughs) Mm, Yum. I am. I am running a cooking class actually at our local library in for vegan snack ideas. And I think I'm going to make that the incentive to purchase a Yonana's machine. I think that sounds so delicious. If everyone if anyone has one, write in your comments what you think of your Yonana's machine. If you think I need one, let me know because I think I'm getting one because I've I've heard the good word from now it's warmer, the sun's shining in this window. I am caring less about investing in an air fryer right this moment because it's sunny and more into, mm-hmm. <laughs> into spending that money on a Yonana's <laughs> machine. <laughs> you know, they have like a basic version and an elite version. And I've had the basic version for years and years, and it has not broken. So <clears throat> I should probably put that out there in case you're debating whether to buy, you know, get the higher price unit. All right. I'm just going to get the cheapest one. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm doing. So <laughs> now I know I've just gone on a tangent about Yonana's machines, but I bet there's someone listening going, I'm definitely getting one. Who doesn't want soft serve in summer for your kids or yourself? It's a delicious way of getting making, oh my gosh, banana, chocolate, delicious soft serves Mm -hmm. for yourself. Cherry. Yes, cherry is one of my favorites. You just put in a frozen banana and then you toss in some frozen cherries and it mixes, you know, makes a cherry ice cream, which is oh so good. See, (laughs) see, that has to be in my life. Cherry ice cream has to be in my life. With fresh cherries in January? Is that fresh cherry time here? I think. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Definitely. I'm, I'm writing the note. Cherry, <laughs> cherry ice cream. <laughs> I will. My husband's listening to this because he edits this podcast. So, Rinji, we're getting a Yonana's machine. That's what I'm getting for Christmas. That's what I'm getting for my 40th birthday. <laughs> okay. So, before we hang up, what does a typical day of eating look like for you, Sid? Well, I love a big bowl of steel cut oats in the morning with all the f- blueberries, frozen blueberries and 
I do put some flaxseed in there and all the trimmings. Or sometimes I'll make roadhouse hash, which is a tofu-based hash dish, which is delicious. That's from uh, eatplantbased.com. She has a really good roadhouse hash recipe. Or we make whole whole grain fluffy blueberry pancakes. Mm. Or there are some compliant cereals on the market. If you're in a hurry and you need to grab some grape nuts or some type of cereal with your plant milk and fruit, that's an option. And then for lunch, we usually have leftovers from the night before, and that could range from anything from right now we're eating a big pan of Chef AJ's lasagna, which is one of our favorites. Oh, I have to make this lasagna. I've never made Chef AJ's lasagna. Is it delicious? It is delicious, yes. I'm going to make that for the kids. They love lasagna. Mm -hmm. Is that from her cookbook or her website? I think it's on her website, I am making that this or, or I'm not quite sure. I've had the recipe for like 15 years, so I'm not sure where I got it, oh, to be honest. I will, I will search it high and low. I know if I Google it, in, if I Google it it'll come up. So stuffed peppers is another one of our favorites. Uh, sloppy joes, we love to make those with fit fries or baked sweet potato wedges. Now we're heading into winter here, so we are looking at soup season. So we'll be making a lot of potato soups mm. and black bean chilies mm. and all those types of things. Oh, my. That all sounds delicious. Now, in Australia, we don't eat. Now, I learned about Sloppy Joes from watching Roseanne as a kid. So I remember it being just mince gravy goop that you put inside a burger. Is that right? In a bun? It is. But Brand New Vegan has a good recipe. And the meat mixture is basically riced cauliflower, chopped walnuts, and chopped mushrooms. So that makes the ground beef. Yum. And then um, you throw in your fire-roasted tomatoes and other things. And it's really, really tasty. See? see, I've never never made this before because it's not a... Uh, something it's a traditional staple of an Australian diet like we eat mm-hmm. tons of things but that hasn't that hasn't made its way over here as something that people make but I've always been curious and I'm going to make this and the lasagna and there's two weeks of school holidays for the kids to see what they think because I think that they really like it and you just put it in a whole wheat bun yes you do or you I just eat mine plain sometimes I'll make tortilla chips my own tortilla chips and use that as a dip as well so what do you make do you uh, like to make plant-based burgers or I like to make I like to make them because they're easy plant-based burgers so I make normally like roast pumpkin and chickpea or a mushroom and black bean burger Ooh. they're the kinds that I would make for my family even though I have look I have to say I'm still figuring out one that they really love the la- latest edition was the one my husband said was my best but I, I th- I'm a throw together cook so I never quite remember what I did last time to make it good. <laughs> so I have to – this one. these ones were roast pumpkin and chickpeas, and he really liked them, and they were just very basic. And I think sometimes I try to make things with too many vegetables so I get to sneak them into the kids, and that's when they don't taste as nice. So I have to just try and remember that they eat a wide variety of vegetables throughout the week, and maybe I don't have to add every single vegetable into every single meal that I make. Okay. <laughs> Every time. But, okay, so, and you would, how many servings servings of fruit would you have per day? Well, I eat one for breakfast for sure, and then maybe two or three more throughout the day. But then if we make a Yonana, that's also fruit. So there's another fruit serving if you're going to make a Yonana. So with the Yonana, would it just be one banana and a handful of cherries? Would that make a serving of ice cream? 
It would. It would make a small serving. Mm-hmm. Yes. See, I find that hard. I'd like to have a two banana serving. <laughs> yes, I do a two banana. Yeah. <laughs> Yum. Uh, now I know we haven't got much more time left. So, where can people find, learn more about you, and where can they buy your book? Go to my website, which is sidnotter.com, and let me spell that because a lot of people misspell it. It's C Y D N O T T E R. And the book is on Amazon right now, the Kindle version. And again, the paperback releases on October 1st, although I think they're being shipped now from Amazon if you order now. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, of course, I've got Facebook connections and LinkedIn and Twitter. So you can find me there as well if you're interested. But the website would be the place to start. Yes. And and I'm certain that many people... You know, well, love hearing. I love having. I'm a, I'm a health coach, but I love having other health coaches on this show because for me, I, you know, my my passion is getting these stories out for people. And every single every health coach does it differently and can reach a different demographic, a different person, and. I love, you know, Andrew Taylor, we've had Chris Gotts, we've had Amanda Fisher, we've had Adam Guthrie, there are so many, there's so many, you know, Josh Lajani, Howard Jacobson, so many incredible health coaches have come, um, High Carb Health with Shamiz Kachwala and his brother Shakul. I think it's so important that there are whole food plant-based health coaches out there um, from all different backgrounds and all different expertise and all different beliefs because you know this movement is is so important for the future of the planet for the animals and for human health and disease prevention and you know i think there's so many different it isn't a one size fits all model of how you can reach someone and help them transform their health i think it's so wonderful people like you are out there you know for 20 years now doing this work spreading this message helping people to connect the dots between the diet that they're eating and the ill health they're experiencing. And um, I love the work that you're doing. And I think that your book, The Plan A Diet, combining whole food plant-based nutrition with the timeless wisdom of scripture. I'm definitely getting a copy of it ASAP because I didn't have time to grab one before our interview today, but I'm so excited to read through it because I think that well, I know that from talking to you and from reading about it on your website that it's going to be such a great resource for many, many, many people who want to connect spirituality with the way that they eat. Yes, and perhaps reaching a whole demographic of people that would never otherwise hear this message about their diet. Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you so much for doing the work that you're doing. And before we hang out, what would be your three biggest tips for readers of your book or listeners of this podcast who are wanting to make the switch to a whole food plant, plan a diet, plant-based diet? The first tip would be to be prepared. Be prepared ahead of time with a, a meal plan and your food is in the kitchen. You know, don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to eat plants mm. <laughs> and not have anything in the house that's going to support that. Yes. So be prepared ahead of time. The book does have a seven-day plan. Right. But if you email me and you can contact me through my website, mm. I'll be happy to send you the 21-day plan, which I had originally written for the book. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. So that's number one. And then 
another one would be to um, sanitize your area. We've already talked about that. You know, don't put yourself in a position where you've got Rocky Road ice cream in the freezer or a mango. You know, which are you going to choose? Yes. <laughs> sanitize your environment so that your choices are the mango or the pineapple, you know, just keep it, keep the choices healthy. Um, And again, get with like-minded people when you can, and then consider your motivations too. Like what's, why are you doing this? Do you want to live your life and travel when you retire? Or, you know, do you want to have the energy to play with your grandkids? Keep your motivation in mind. That's pretty key Mm. to know why you're doing this and, you know, and it's going to take effort. There's no doubt it's going to take effort. But anything worthwhile doing does take effort, right? You wouldn't expect to learn something monumental without putting the work in. So just keep going until you get over that learning hump, and then it'll be second nature for you, and you'll be good to go. Absolutely perfect tips. I loved every single one of them. Be prepared, meal plan, have food in the kitchen because so many people say, you know, I'm going to start tomorrow. And even myself, someday, if, if I'm not prepared on the days I'm not prepared, that's the absolutely definitely going to be the day when there's a jar of peanut butter open on the kitchen bench. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'm going to be like, oh, I think I've got some dates in there. And then I fall into a date peanut butter disaster and I regret it immediately. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> So I love that meal prep, be prepared and sanitize your environment. And I think that's, you know, I've had to put the peanut butter in a locked cupboard in my husband's office <laughs> so that so that it's not in my vision because I'm a peanut butter addict and I can't be around the stuff. And getting some community as well is such a great, a great way of also sanitizing your environment because you're hanging out with more people and in spaces, even online where there's more people who are eating this way and... Uh, sharing the desire to change their health and lose weight or whatever it is for themselves. It's so, it's so important and so valuable. And what is your motivation? What is your why? I love that as a tip because I think that we do lose sight of it. I think we just go along with the, go with the motions of life. And it's so easy to just be mindlessly, um, I was listening to a comedian uh, yesterday about food addiction, basically, his own experience, and he said, you know, we have good days and bad months, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and it's when you have your motivation in mind, it does help prevent those bad months, you know, where you're just you're not even thinking about the future, you're not thinking about your health goals, you're just mindlessly going with the flow, eating the foods that have kept you unhealthy and unwell for, you know, all of time until now so yeah it's such they're so great tips thank you so much for coming on the show Sid it was wonderful meeting you and speaking to you thank you Corinne I'm very grateful to be on today you're absolutely welcome it was my pleasure thank you so much Sid for coming on the show I am about to purchase my Yonana's machine and I am so happy for you congratulations on your book The Plan A Diet It's going to be an absolutely wonderful resource for so many people out there. I also wanted to remind everyone that the book is available for purchase in hard copy tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Monday the 30th. It's available for purchase hard copy tomorrow on October 1st. So please head over to the show notes, get the link, grab your copy, buy Sid's book. You will absolutely love it. It is so full of incredible information. 
about everything. She's covered everything. There'll be nothing left for me to cover in my own book. So definitely head over there, get her book today, head to her website if you'd love some coaching support from Sid or wanted to go to one of her cooking classes or her events. Head to sidnotter.com for all the information you need to know about Sid Notter. And also you find her on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter at Sid Notter, C-Y-D-N-O-T-T-E-R. If you're not yet a subscriber to this podcast, I put out new episodes every Monday slash Tuesday in the Southern Hemisphere time and Sunday slash Monday Northern Hemisphere time. And... Each week it's a new guest, a new doctor, a new expert in whole food plant-based living. And I would love it if you could support this podcast in any way you could by leaving a five-star rating or a kind review over at iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. Or if you can afford to head over to Patreon and become a member of my Patreon community at $5 a month, the cost of a two bunches of kale at the organic store, maybe just one where, where I live, uh, a month. It would make mean the world to me. Or if you could share these episodes with your family and friends or just mention it to a family member who you come across this week after listening to Sid's episode or any of the episodes of, of this show, I would love it so much if you could just be a little Corinne Ninja podcast Spruka out there in the world sharing these stories and helping me to share these stories. It means the world to me that you all do. And for those of you who are already subscribers and supporters or have left ratings and reviews, I read them all and I am so touched and inspired by your support. So thank you so much. You keep this podcast going with your comments, your messages and all those kinds of things. So thank you again for listening. Thank you, Sid, for coming on the show and I'll see you all next week. Bye. Bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sun